Selling solar. What's the difference between Missouri and Illinois? We'll find out this week on Renew Gurus. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus. I am your host, Executive Director James Owen. Uh, Running the boards over here is Matthew Patterson. Uh, He is trying to be inconspicuous because we're also doing this on uh, on video, uh, but joining us today is Paul McKnight. Uh, you are the president, CEO. What's your title officially? I'm the owner. I'm the CEO. I, I most of the time I go by CEO. CEO. Okay, CEO of EFS Energy, which we've said is a little bit of a mouthful. We were talking about that a little bit offline, uh, but you are here in St. Louis. Yes, so we're based in St. Louis, Overland, Missouri, and. Uh, we have an office in Springfield, Illinois. As okay, well, doing a lot of business in Illinois. Great. And so you're basically are you are you installing solar? Are you working with businesses? Are you working with residents? Like what would you say in a nutshell is your uh, is how your business is run? So typically we would be referred to as an EPC, which stands for Engineering Procurement and Construction. Okay. So we do everything from the sales to the design and then procurement of the materials and construction. So wow. The whole, the whole process. So you were like start to finish. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so how long have you been doing this? We started the business in 2011. Okay. And uh, so we've been doing it for a little over seven, eight, about eight years now. And uh, yeah. eight, eight years in spring. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what year it is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we serve residential and commercial and we've been doing a lot of uh, agricultural properties as well. Oh, like what's an example of that uh, for agricultural purposes? Sure. We, yeah, so we uh, there's some farmers in Illinois that we uh, have been installing for recently where they have uh, grain bins, uh, different, different types of farmers, uh, but we're basically able to zero out their electric bills with solar, even with their heavy wow. loads that they have in the fall and winter seasons yeah farming is not a low energy uh <laughs> no line of work um I, I was born and raised on a farm outside of springfield missouri and we were dairy farmers and you know you had to run you know a milk parlor twice a day and that took a lot of energy so it's it, it takes a lot to do that so the fact that you can Absolutely. do that through solar and kind of uh, zero that out is pretty amazing yeah yeah we're we're you know looking at hog farms and yeah. just grain drying operations the whole the whole gamut all right, so you said 2011. Now, when we talk to a lot of people who do your work in Missouri, that seems to be when a lot of people started uh, because, I mean, is, is that kind of in, in relation to when solar rebates started being something that people could take advantage of here yeah, in Missouri? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, before that time, I think that for most people it was impractical right. to purchase solar. The price was just – the cost was too much. It, it wouldn't really pay for itself in a reasonable amount of time until uh, the rebates were were enacted um, in 2008, which you've spoken about on, on your previous podcast. We have, podcast. yes, yeah. and uh, Renew Missouri was very instrumental in getting Prop C uh, passed. Uh, I was going to thank Aaron Noble and PJ Wilson for that. Um, yeah, so that was a big that was a big thing for the solar industry here in Missouri. Absolutely. So at the time, you know, I was aware of solar power, and it was something that's always interested me. I've always been, always been fascinated with, you know, generating energy from the sun 
uh, yeah. without having to burn anything. So yeah. um, I've, I've just always thought that it was a really great technology and, and just kind of waiting for the time when it would become right uh, financially viable. So you just looked at this and said, well, this is now maybe financially more viable than it was and just opened a company. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, wow. me and a friend of mine, we, we just kind of started it filed for LLC and um, had a couple of people that were interested. We ended up doing a couple of installs in our first, you know, year or two. It was, it was just kind of a hobby at the time. Yeah. Um, but kind of once we kind of figured out how it all worked and, and how to do things, it, it became a business. Away you went. Yeah. Yeah. And we just, and you know, I know rebates kind of was here. They were pretty controversial. We had some legal fights over those, but now those initial legal, uh, those rebates were kind of ran their course, but we just got another round of rebates here in the legislature uh, last year. Right. And that's really just kicked into effect this past fall. I mean, technically, they're kind of supposed to be up and running by January 1st, 2019. How has that been for you? So it's been really interesting kind of how that all played out because uh, essentially, so just in this area, Ameren, right. Ameren Missouri... Uh, had $10 million set aside for 2019 rebates. Right. Um, So essentially like the day after the rebate application date, the day after they opened, um, within two days, about $7.5 million had been claimed. Wow. (laughs) uh, With applications that had been... uh, I'm assuming not just from you. Not very few. Oh, yeah. so, so, you know, we picked up a, a good number of new projects, but that money was, was depleted very quickly. Yeah. Um, well, when you think about, okay, it's important to note that we're here in St. Louis. Ammon, Missouri is the investor-owned utility here. Under this new law that got passed, the investor-owned utilities, there's three of them. I mean, there's technically four of them in the state. They had a certain pot of money that they were going to give out these rebates. So within the Ameren, Missouri service territory, is that primarily where you work in Missouri? Yes. In okay. Missouri, primarily within the, the Ameren territory. Okay. And so there's already a lot of that that's been gobbled up. Yeah. So basically all of the 2019 money has been claimed. Yeah. There will be some fallout. Uh, and so a little bit of that money might become okay. available again. And then 2020 funding will uh, start up again in August. So yeah. we're, we're talking to people now about getting their applications prepared to submit then. Right. Um, if they're, you know, relying on that, on that rebate money to make their decision. Right. So like when you're doing this kind of work, I mean, you kind of do the start to finish thing. What's the biggest kind of system that you're, that you're putting in EFS energy? Well, <clears throat> it's, it's varies. We, we do the whole range. So the largest we've installed is about uh, 500 kilowatts, which is okay. um, half a megawatt, yeah. which is, you know, approaching utility scale. Yeah. Um, not quite utility scale. So pretty much everything under under that. We've mm-hmm. done we've done the whole range all the way down to, you know, three kilowatts. Yeah. Yeah. So you and so like when you're looking at has this rebate spurred people to do bigger projects or is it seeing are you seeing more people at the normal level, just come out to say we want this on our house or we want this on our small business. There was well, so the cap was 150 kilowatts for the rebate right. amount, and you could install more than that, but right. you'd, and you would still get the 150 kW worth of rebate. Um, and I did notice that the number of applications compared to the amount of money that was reserved, the average system size would have been about 30, 33 kilowatts. Okay. So there were a lot of commercial systems. 
in this in this round where yeah. in the past it's been a lot more heavily weighted I believe towards residential mm-hmm. as far as volume is concerned there are a lot there's some there are some bigger systems out there right but a lot of them are kind of in that you know 30 to 200 kilowatt range on the okay. commercial side okay yeah, so I mean, do you think it's a matter of that a lot of people who are interested in residential have already done it, or do you think that there's just not a, there's a lot of education that needs to be out there that's done, and people just don't know about this? I mean, what do you think would cause more people to to, to want to put solar on their roof? Yeah, in the early days, um, I would have said it's mostly an education thing, um, and then it would just come down to whether or not they wanted to make that kind of an investment. Right. Uh, a lot of times, I'll tell people. If you're going to be in your house for the next five years, it's, yeah. it's a good investment. Okay. That's kind of how, how the financials work out. After five years, um, if it hasn't paid for itself yet, you're able to at least recoup the value and resale value on your home. So education is a big part of it. A lot more people are, are more aware of solar right. today than they were a few years ago. Um, so that helps. And also prices have continued to come down yeah. over the years. Um, well, the more technology you see advance and the more you do it, the cheaper that's just going to get. I mean, there's kind of a principle to that. I exactly. Mean, it's, it's very similar to like software or like, you know, microchips and that sort of thing. Exactly. Is, is that Moore's law? Moore's law. Yeah. 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 That's, I think Moore's law is, yeah, with, uh, um, I'm proud of myself for remembering that. How quickly or, or how much, uh. <laughs> how many circuits they can print on a uh, yeah it just it keeps like expanding like at some like you know exorbitant rate or something it's it's but yeah. essentially like you know as the technology advances the older technology becomes cheap and yeah and less you know makes more sense so yeah you have that on a global scale with you know china producing you know overproducing panels right um, and kind of doing the thing that they do uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, whatever like that more, is, yeah. you know, and then on a national level, like we we have the thirty percent uh, federal tax credit, yep, which is still active. Goes till twenty twenty one, I think. Yeah, so the full thirty percent is available through twenty nineteen. Okay, and then it starts stepping down. Right. Um, so this is the last year that you're going to get the full thirty percent, um, but that's obviously driven a lot of growth. Yeah. Over the years uh, nationally, which has caused prices to come down just because of the growth of the business and then more locally um the rebates obviously play a big part in it Mm -hmm. illinois has played a huge part in it because illinois has passed some legislation uh yeah last year that basically um kind of opened the floodgates for for solar to, to start growing there and so that had an impact on missouri as well because you've got a lot of bigger players moving in next door right kind of now looking at missouri uh, as the next growth market yeah so okay because i know you said you have an office you have facilities in springfield illinois which is not exactly close to st louis i mean it's a little bit of a hike (laughs) that's my hometown that's your hometown okay yeah yeah. with abraham lincoln (laughs) yeah is he from oh he's not from there oh forget it oh uh, he's from kentucky land of lincoln yeah Yeah, land of lincoln don't don't say that though. oh yeah i know because i'm gonna be offended great museum (laughs) there in that library but okay so you're from springfield illinois you're you have a branch of your business there um and you meant you you kind of started talking a little bit about illinois and like some of the progress they've made there now do they have rebates in Illinois? Yes. They do. Yes. But they have a lot of other things 
as well, as far as like kind of creating a favorable environment for people who are wanting to be in your business. Like, you can you kind of go over like what makes it easy to be in business in Illinois for someone like you? So it's not it's not just a cash rebate, and so yeah. it, it's it's a whole uh, it's a whole bunch of legislation that all got passed, and and they really took a look at what other states are doing, what's been successful in other yeah. states to actually create a sustainable industry and not just give it a shot in the arm with a little bit of cash. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a multi-year, uh, it was just like the clean energy jobs act or something like that. It's CJA. Uh, uh yeah. Um, it's yeah, something like that. Yeah. It, it was one of those acronyms, but it was about, it was kind of geared towards workforce development and trying to build that industry and it's a real, I mean, it's a real bipartisan model. I mean, Republicans yes. supported this, Democrats supported this, because until just recently, Illinois had a Republican governor who signed this. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's also always important to remind people that, you know, I think historically this has always been seen as somewhat of a partisan issue, but more and more you're seeing both sides of the aisle say, hey, this is something that's really good for the economy, this is really good for communities, and it's really good for small business. Right. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, that's uh, kind of ties back into the whole thing of you know when when I first got into this, it wasn't necessarily very financially viable, and so right. the people that supported it tended to be more of left leaning uh, environmentalists, and and, right. that. and so it became partisan just because of the people that were supporting it in sure. the beginning. Yeah, now it's gotten to the point where it's very cost competitive with other forms of with yeah. other traditional forms of energy. Um, and so it's a lot easier to get buy-in from folks on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, that was just six, seven years ago. So you've yeah. seen a lot of shift politically on this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I've I've been really pleased and surprised by how many Republicans in Missouri in the legislature have been supportive of things that we're doing. Yeah, it helps. Absolutely, yeah. It helps in the Midwest. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. We, we really like to see that. And, uh, I mean... You look at the job growth numbers and just what it's doing for the economy yeah. um, in Illinois and other states where they've enacted these positive right. uh, solar policies, it really makes a lot of sense. Would you say there's a noticeable difference between the business you do in Illinois versus the business you do in Missouri? Absolutely. So yeah. it's is it better there? It's a, it's a statewide program, whereas mm-hmm. in Missouri it's, you know, only per investor-owned utility. Yeah. Um, where in Illinois, it's it's basically statewide, and it's a state-run program. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more robust. Yeah. Uh, there's more money in it. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot more framework built out around it that, that allows people to have a little bit of uh, certainty moving forward as far as, you know, having a sustainable business in Illinois, not just being a one-shot deal and, and then moving out. Right. So, I mean, when it, when the way it works in Illinois, is, do they work with the customers who then seek you out? Do they work with businesses like you, like the government, that is, who's running this program? I mean, how does that work? I mean, do they come to you? Do they come to the people that you're serving? Uh, basically, they just they, they, they enacted the legislation which allows the contractors like us yep. to apply. Um, we have to jump through some hoops um, of course. to be certified and approved right. by the state yeah. um, to show that we're, you know, doing business in the state of Illinois, doing mm-hmm. good business. Um, you have a presence there. It is not just right. going to be someone who just kind of comes in and takes advantage of this and leaves. Yeah. Which sometimes so, you see with rebates. Exactly. So they, they've done a pretty good job of, of kind of building that out. And so we go in and we, we start, we get certified and all that. And then we take, we advertise directly then to the customers. And okay. They don't, they don't really have a lot of interaction directly with the customers. 
the government. The government. Is it in, is it like a new agency? Is it like economic development? Is it energy? Who are they? Who's in charge of that over there? So it's. Um, I'll, I'll, oh, it's okay. Yeah, I'm trying to blank. <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm just. I, yeah. It's probably got some weird name that it's hard to pinpoint. Um, now I kind of wonder with with Illinois and Missouri. I mean, they're right next to each other. They're both Midwestern states. If you took Illinois out of the equation, I mean, not Illinois, but Chicago out of the equation, they'd be similar states. I mean, downstate Illinois is very rural and conservative. Um, uh, is it, it, you know, there is there is differences, though. I mean, it's a, dereg- it's a deregulated state. I think people call it restructured, but that basically means that uh, the uh, generation and transmission of energy is kind of more in the open marketplace as opposed to Missouri, which is called vertically integrated. It's, it's everything's regulated here. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that has anything to do with why Illinois has been able to be better? Or do you think it's just, is there a way to like do this to where it is uh, more feasible in Missouri, even with that? I think there's a lot of things that Missouri can do mm-hmm. that Illinois is doing now, even with it being uh, regulated okay. versus deregulated. Um, Illinois, there are some other factors, I think, that have influenced this, um, primarily that Illinois has a lot of nuclear power right. as part of their part of their mix, whereas Missouri is almost almost all coal. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, Illinois has, has a much more, I guess, uh, diverse mix of yeah. energy with, with nuclear, natural gas, coal. Um, and so I feel like there's a not as much of a one industry kind of driving that yeah. conversation. Whereas in Missouri, it's very much driven by uh, coal interests. Yeah. Plus you have a really big coal company based in St. Louis, right? Uh, which I know has struggled financially. Uh, and I think it's struggled financially because, heck, I mean, you were talking about it just now. Solar has gotten cheaper. Wind has gotten cheaper. Natural gas to a certain extent has gotten cheaper than coal. And so it's not even a matter of we've had to have all this subsidy uh, driven policy. It's just that the market has made this stuff cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, what you said that there's things Missouri could do to make this better. I mean, are there like, can you give me an example of like what you think when you, because we have net metering laws here in Missouri. Um, and I think we've covered this before for our loyal listeners out there. But um, just to go over it again, net metering basically means that you can hook into a utility company's system and if you produce more than you make they have to buy it from you at a wholesale rate but they can sell at a retail rate so you do have that opportunity we're one of 39 states where you can do that um do you think that law could be strengthened do you think that law could be could be changed in any way yeah so that's one of the things that we're kind of looking at right now um and that's something that we'll be working on this year is looking at different ways that we might uh, make some adjustments to that law. Right. One, one point, just for an example, is in Missouri, it's a month-by-month net metering, which means right. every month, if you produce more power than you've used, the excess power you get back at that wholesale rate. Yeah. Whereas in Illinois, they have annual net metering. So if you produce extra power in one month, the, the, those credits roll over at the retail rate month-to-month month for a whole year. Okay. So that's what allows us to offset a farmer's usage 100% for the year, even though in the October and September they've got a huge electric bill, 
We, we build a system that's big enough oh, where they produce a ton of excess credits in the summertime. Yeah. And they roll over at the full retail rate to pay so, for their winter usage. So basically what you're saying is, the, I mean, you're talking about a true up. Yes. Okay. And I mean, that's a true up. You talk about that a lot in financial bookkeeping and everything. But so like, let's say in the months where it's really sunny, instead of like just looking at that then and saying like, okay, we're going to like take all this right now. You can apply that to like when it's less sunny, when you might be more productive and be using more energy. Exactly. That's the advantage of that. Right. Okay. Um, and I mean, so, okay, that's, that's a, that's, that seems like that would be really simple. Yeah. So that's one thing that could be done. Um, and it's. Maybe a, a, a kind of a small detail that yeah, you know, but those help. matter. They matter to certain people. That yeah, if, if you can use all the power that you're that you're putting, you know, if you if you only have enough roof space to offset half your power, yeah. and you're using it all behind the meter, then you don't really care if it right. goes over month to month or not. But like if, if you have, have a small house, if you have a, if you have electric heat though, yeah, and you have oh, a really yeah. high electric bill in the winter time, right? You need something to you can't produce as much solar in the winter, so yeah, it would, it'd be nice to have those credits roll over. Now, I don't think it's any big surprise to anybody. We have kind of a low cap on net metering here in the state. What is it, 150? 100 KW. 100 KW. <laughs> I think the new legislation has it 150, and that's a little bit of a misnomer. Well, but <laughs> for whatever reason, the, the rebate cap went to 150 yeah. kilowatts. But yeah. the actual net metering cap is 100 kilowatts. It's a little confusing. When you go, you go over to Illinois, it's 2 megawatts. 2 megawatts. So it's a little bit different. That seems like a lot of power. Yeah. <laughs> it is. That's a lot of power, and, and you know, and that's available for net metering. Yeah, but I mean, like, you really, really think about it. I mean, like, if you're like a business, or like, if you're a farmer. Yeah. You know, I think you know farmers. I mean, especially if you're talking about crop farmers, which is more pervasive in Illinois than it would be, say, well, I guess it is in Missouri in the northern half. Like where I'm from, there's not a lot of crop farmers in southwest Missouri. But you know, say if you're in northern Missouri and you're a soybean farmer, and you've got some other challenges right now. Uh, but, like, if you're really in harvest in October, November, uh, those times you're, you're using a lot of energy. Then. Yes. And so I would imagine you're probably going beyond that 100 kilowatts, wouldn't you say? If oh, you're, yeah. That's – Yeah. Yeah, very It's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> but in Illinois, you have a lot more wiggle room. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm using really complicated technical terms here, but, you know, you do have a lot more of ability to have you produce kind of – like, if you talk about two megawatts, that's – that's substantial yeah, as far that's, as the difference. Yeah, that's like utility scale. And I mean, if you're talking about farmers, you're talking about maybe like a large hog farm or something like that. Right. Is that kind of power? Yeah. I mean, and so, but in like any more, in order to succeed as a farmer, you've really got to like talk about your economy to scale. You've got to do a lot of production. I mean, you've got to be able to have like a lot. I mean, that's why I think CAFOs are, are becoming so pervasive is because they're trying to compete with farming in like the southern parts of the state of the country where you've got like a lot of access to cheaper labor so you've really got to like up the amount that you're being able to produce Mm -hmm. and you're using a lot more power when you do that yeah yeah so it seems like all those things would be relatively simple uh but i mean we know that for utility companies they do take issue with the fact that they've got their customers producing power they like to produce the power and so they see that as kind of a conflict towards their business model yeah i think i think for the most part that's true um and you'll see different arguments come out you know for why they want to do things a certain way right and you also have to consider that you know the the grid that we're putting this new production on is built a certain way and Mm -hmm. most of for all of history all the power has been one way right from the power plant to the consumer 
And so now we're installing new equipment that pushes power both directions. And right. so, we, you know, there really has to be a lot of infrastructure upgrades and things like that, mm-hmm. which is where that, um, that, that new legislation, legislation from last, la- yeah, it's supposed to be doing grid that. modernization. Right. Right. So we're, that's kind of part of it. Um, but also, you know, when you talk about annual net metering versus monthly net metering and retail versus wholesale rate for the power yeah. that goes back and forth. I mean, what it all boils down to is how much is it worth? What is, uh-huh. how much is solar power worth? Um, and that's something that we refer to as the value of solar. And that's something right. that we've been talking about for years. Which no one really knows. I mean, you can like look at like what coal goes for in the, in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. It's not really like you can do that with solar rays. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's a way of doing it. Other states have done it, and a lot of states have found that uh, they, some of the more you know powered special interests, don't like the outcome they got from those value of solar studies. An example I, I can think of is in Maine, they did a value of solar study, and the former governor who just left shelved it. Uh, I don't think he liked the answer in that. Um, and so I think you know ultimately, before you do any kind of change to uh, our laws. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with checking that out and doing a study. Yeah. That's something that we've advocated for for a number of years. And I know that you're a member of, when you say we are looking at some legislation, you're an active member of the Missouri Solar Energy. Let me try that again. Missouri Solar Energy Industry Association. Yes. MOSIA. It's a mouthful. It is. Again, I was saying offline, one of those words that has too many vowels in it. So it always (laughs) like mutters out of my mouth like I'm chewing up oatmeal. But you're involved with that. They are engaged at the legislative level, just like Renew Missouri is engaged at the legislative level, which we can't use grant money for. So if you want to help us with that, you need to donate some money. And um, so we're always looking to make sure that we bolster those laws, that we also kind of have to pay defense if there's ever instances where they're trying to, like let's say um, our neighbors to the west, Kansas. Kansas uh, just had a real, real problematic um rate case where their law over there basically allows solar customers to be put in their own rate class. And so when utility companies come in to, um, you know, to raise their rates, which is usually raising their rates, we've had a couple of cases where they've been lowering their rates recently, but there's also a way of allocating all of those rate increases or decreases to different classes of customers, residential, industrial, commercial, there's a bunch of them. But solar customers, people use it on their roof is one of them. And they're applying different rates that make it hard to see any kind of benefit from having solar on mm-hmm. your roof. And it's basically killed the <laughs> solar industry in Kansas, the sunflower state of all places. Yeah. There's lots of sun there. And right now Missouri is protected on that uh, because that's not how rate design works here. But, well, that could always change. Right. We don't know what's lurking out there in the shadows, do we, Paul? We have we have some ideas oh, about about things that are we might that are coming. But <laughs> yeah, that that's that's part of you know. Um, I'm currently serving as vice president of yeah. OCEA. Yeah. Um, and so we are having conversations with utility companies. Yeah. Uh, with other legislators, with Renew Missouri. Yes. Uh, to try to find you know the best path forward. Yeah, because, I mean, right now the legislature is very quiet. Like, we've had this month or so of pre-filed legislation. Uh, nothing is really – there's only been one bill that we see as problematic uh, involving PACE, uh, 
financing, which we are kind of starting to work on to see what kind of issue that's going to be. But everything else has been relatively still. But that doesn't mean they've got till like mid to late February to file legislation. So, you know, we've still got a month and a half where anything uh, could be put out there and anything could be brought up to a committee and anything could be voted on. And so we've always got to be very vigilant yes. with that. Yes. Because we want to be more like Illinois and less like Kansas. Yes. I think is what a lot of people, even though I spent some time in Kansas, a lot of people in the Missouri legislature don't want to be like Kansas. So we don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, again, you know, if you look at the look at the numbers, the job growth, and, right? You know what it what it's doing for the economy. Um, yeah, I mean it's a no brainer. It should be anyway. Well, I opinion. mean, yeah. Well, anytime you know, I, I certainly think that anytime, like you know, say whenever cell phones started coming out, you know, the Ma Bells and everything else probably looked at that and said, "Oh, we don't like that. We don't want to have to like do anything like that." So we're gonna. I mean, certainly, anytime there's been innovation like this, there's always been a fight about it. Yeah. Um, and right now we're at a very, you know, at this very crucial juncture in our economy. We're at a very crucial juncture in how we uh, produce power. Um, and we've just got to make sure that we're doing what is going to be putting us on the best path forward for the future. We have a lot of, we have a lot of big decisions that we can make. And Missouri can either go down this prosperous route or they can go down this very regressive route. And so it's up to people like Mosia, Renew Missouri – to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, so one thing that I'm hoping that we work on this year, yeah. um, assuming that not too much actually gets passed on the energy side, that's kind of the prediction that's been made. People have been um, saying that, yeah. But we still, you know, we're going to be very active um, in developing our strategy and, and working on the things that we would like to see passed in 2020 uh, that are going to make this a better state for yeah. solar yeah and i think there i think you listed off some of the policy things we could be doing that are minor tweaks i mean these are not substantial things i mean and you can look at other states that have been doing it we are very much on the low end of some of these other states as far as like you know we do have laws that do let us have an industry here but it, there are limitations to it and we could maybe you know make those limitations a little less restrictive and who knows what we could accomplish it's endless Yes. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would be nice to see some more um, kind of statewide initiatives happening um, that are not so localized. Um, we really need to figure out a way to include uh, co-ops and municipal yeah. uh, in, in, in this conversation as well because typically they're they're much less receptive to yeah. solar just because of the way that they're structured and the, right. the long-term deals that they have in yeah. place where it, it's kind of disruptive. So we understand that you know, it's difficult to implement sometimes, yeah. but we need to find ways around some of these old uh, yeah. ways of doing business. Co-ops are tricky because there's like 43 of them in Missouri and they're all over the rural parts of the state. It only accounts for about 15% of the energy that is produced here, but they still cover a lot of communities and, and customers. And they have been resistant to especially net metering. They've always seen it as a problem for them. Uh, municipalities are kind of on their own. Now, do you do any work in Kirkwood? That's one of the larger municipal utilities in St. Louis. We've done we've done a few projects there. How are they to work with? Uh, they're great. They okay. actually they're actually really good to work with. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because yeah. I didn't know what your answer was going to be. So I'm glad it wasn't going to be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, yeah, because I mean the, the big the big municipals in Missouri are 
Columbia, Missouri, Springfield, Missouri, Independence, Missouri, over by Kansas City and Kirkwood. There's some other smaller ones, but you know those are the really big ones. Um, so it's good to hear that they're easy to work with. Uh, but then Ameren, Kansas City Power and Light, Empire, they cover a big swath. And they yes. also cover St. Louis, and they cover Kansas City, and those are the two population centers for the state. Yep. Uh, City of Springfield, which is the third largest town in the state, it's a municipal utility. So, um, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you have to factor in. And right now, almost all this stuff, like the solar rebates, are done through the investor-owned utilities because the Public Service Commission really doesn't regulate the other, or really doesn't, they don't regulate those other types of utilities, yeah. only the investor-owned. So, And I think one of the big things that's going to be happening in the next couple of years is uh, storage technology. So yeah, the, the cost is coming down. Um, the arguments, the traditional arguments against solar... Um, not meeting the the demand curve or right. uh, whatever the whatever whatever those might be, a lot of times are negated with storage technology. So right. Typically, people haven't been doing it because it's too expensive and it doesn't right. doesn't really uh, make financial sense. But going back to where we started, solar was in the same spot five years ago, right. seven seven years ago, whatever, uh, and now with uh, lithium ion battery technology yeah. the with the prices coming down as quickly as it is yeah. within the next few years it's going to be part of every system i mean i think and i think some utilities are very aware of what kind of you know shift that's going to cause with how consumers get their power i i, I don't know if they really i don't know i mean i think they're going to try to prepare for it, but i really ultimately think there's a lot the free market can do to help that along or at least I think that's probably where that needs to be. Well, and it gives it gives you a lot more flexibility because you can program these things to come on and off whenever they're needed. Yeah. Um, even to the point where, you know, you can make a deal with the utility to give them access to that stored reserve power uh, during their peak load times. Right, right. So there's a lot that, we, that you can do that's going to create a win-win situation for them. can blow the doors off of this thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, Paul, this has been great. Um, I think this has been really informative to our listeners about what's going on in Illinois. That's something we really haven't talked about on here. Anything you'd like for them to know before we leave about your business or about how to get a hold of you? <laughs> um, yeah. What's EFS your website? Energy. EFSenergy.com. Are you on any social media? We're on all social media. Oh. Or so most of them, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not on Tinder or anything. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, <laughs> you might be. I don't know. But, like, okay, I so... Not. I hope not. EFS Energy, is that like what's Twitter? He's like plug that in and Yeah, EFS Energy, you should be able to find us. Okay. Um, Go follow them. Yeah, we uh, we just we redid our website earlier this year or 2018, I guess. It's not yeah. this year anymore. Um, so yeah, we're uh, rocking and rolling, ready to take your call. All right. Well, great. Well, go check out that website. Go check them out on social media. Uh, and also, if you're interested in, in uh, you know, supporting our podcast, when new gurus here, subscribe to us on Stitcher, subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, share this with your social media platforms because we love seeing new people get informed with us over over the break. When I was traveling, I had people who I would never have guessed in a million years would have listened to this, but they're like, hey, you post this on your Facebook page, and I went and listened to it. I found it really informative, so I was really excited to hear that. Uh, so we would love to have you on. Uh, we'd love to have you doing that. Um, if we'd love to have your support at Renew Missouri, we are on social media platforms as well, renewmo.org. And uh, thank you again for listening to Renew Gurus. And until then, we will see you on the radio.